It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelt, Jeff Fiegel's with you. The phone number, if you're a fan out there, you want to chime in, is 201-939-4513. But you might want to wait about 10 or 15 minutes before you give us a call because we're going to lead off our show with the one and only Phil Sims, who joins us in the Sims Spotlight presented by Bigelow T. Grab a mug and tea proudly. Phil, I have good news and bad news. The good news is that we have Fiegel's with us once again today, so you're Paul Free. The bad news is that Paul will probably be with us on Thursdays the rest of the year moving forward. Enjoy it while it lasts, Phil. Enjoy it while it lasts. Well, I'll try. You know, I hear it, uh, the one and only. I'm joining you. Thank God there's only one. That's what people think. So uh, that's good. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so, Phil, uh, let's start here. When you have a team like the Bucks coming off two straight losses, you're taking on a team like the Giants coming off of a bye, um, I looked it up. Tom Brady has not lost three straight games as a starting quarterback since 2002. That's a long time ago. How do you kind of put all those things together to try to figure out what the nature of this game is going to be like on Monday night? Well, I think if you're the New York Giants, there's only one way to look at it, that they're going to come out and it's going to be everything they got emotionally, physically, try to get back on track, all those words and sayings that we put out there. I think it's real. You know, just following the Bucks this week, reading their comments, you know, all that. And I think, too, coming off buys, I don't know what it is. I don't know the numbers, uh, and it doesn't matter. Just my thought is that, you know, teams don't – we always say, oh, they had to buy, they straightened things out. The sense – you know, I don't – when I watch teams off buys this year, I don't see the sense of urgency. I agree with and you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so – That'll be for the Giants to bring that up, to have it this week, uh, because I think it's going to be a very physical game, of course, and they'll have to play their best and do a lot of nice things on both sides of the ball just to hang in there. That's the way I look at it. Because this Bucks team, they're not playing great, but they're, they have a lot of difference makers on both sides of the football, and that's tough to deal with, especially after two losses in a row. Well, I think if you're Tom Brady – um, you got listen. The Giants. The Giants have had their share of injuries, as we all know, Phil. But so yeah. has the Buccaneers in that passing attack that they bring to the table. And if you're Tom Brady, you're probably getting a little excited that maybe Antonio Brown might be back for this game. Rob Gronkowski. You can see how this offense has uh, has not operated the way it wants to without those guys in the lineup. And I think that now Tom Brady's getting a little anxious to have some of these guys back. Well, I'm sure he is, but you know, every team, Jeff, they all, everybody has injuries, and I look at the Bucks' yep. offense, and I just go, "Come on, it, it, do we need everybody the best in every position on the <laughs> offense for this?" Well, like, evidently they do. They think that way. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable when I when I just, oh, he doesn't have Gronk. You know, Cameron Brait sure. is really good, and I I don't know if the talent difference between the two is what everybody makes it out to be, but yes, I know Brady Doves love does love throwing to Gronkowski near the goal line and all that. Cameron Brake caught a short touchdown last mm -hmm. week. But I know what you're saying. Uh, they love that. But I, I have the feeling, just heard on TV this morning, that it's pretty iffy if Gronk or Antonio Brown will mm -hmm. be back for this game. So if yeah. they're not, that'll be good for the Giants. And like I said before, Jeff, you know it. You sat in that locker room and 
felt what was going on with the other team, you know what's going to happen with with the Buccaneers down there, the crowd, and everything else that's going on. You know, Phil, I want to talk to you about the defensive approach against Brady here because I think what the Giants have kind of fallen back on here is, you know, colloquially what's called kind of a bend but don't break defense. The other team gets down the field. They just can't get the ball in the end zone. You know, last two weeks against Kansas City and Las Vegas, they have been 3 of 12 in terms of scoring touchdowns in the red zone. I don't necessarily think that is sustainable over a long period of time. But when you're facing a team like Tampa and when you know you cover the AFC more than the NFC for CBS you saw Brady so long with with New England he's so willing to just throw all right six yard pass seven yard pass six yard pass and just march slowly down the field and you know we frankly saw the Raiders do that they had 400 yards of offense against the Giants two weeks ago they just couldn't score touchdowns so how do you think the Giants will approach this against Brady are they going to just live with those short passes and let them methodically dump it off to Fournette, dump it off to Brait, and to kind of just move up and down the field and then try to stiffen in the red zone? Can you do that against Brady? Is it too hard once you get there to stop him? Just what do you think of that general approach that the Giants have adopted recently and trying to utilize that against a guy like Brady? Well, to answer your question very quickly, yes. I do believe they'll play the same style. I think that's the way to play the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Will Tom Brady, is he patient and throw it underneath? Absolutely. He loves it. Let me get it out of my hands as fast as possible. But the thing about the Buccaneers that's different from most teams, they do have an offense where there are tons of opportunities, or they try to get the football down the field. He is still one of the best power throwers in the league, and he can throw the football into very tight spots. And, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I laugh at TV. Are we concerned about Tom Brady? <laughs> oh, my God, he threw two interceptions. Well, you know, one of them he double-clutched on, overthrew a receiver coming across that was his third read, and the other one, of course, come on. You know, there, there's nothing you can do as a quarterback. But he threw the ball really well, and it comes down to this. I even wrote this down. I watched the giant tape real quick this morning. But it, and we've talked about this before, John and Jeff. You, you know you need, and I hate this saying, you need somebody to make a play. And, but the Giants, we have guys that are making plays. Mm-hmm. Roche makes the big play. Yep. You know, yes, you know, McKinney makes the interceptions. It's just it, those type of things are just pressuring the quarterback at the right time. Uh, th- that's what you need to win football games. It hasn't shown as much as we'd hope for the Giants. But on the offensive side, just real quick, you got to be happy with the fact that they ran the football inside with power against the Las Vegas Raiders. And uh, can they do it this week? Vita Vea is out. That's a big deal for the Buccaneers. So maybe they have an opportunity to control the ball a little bit. And I'll say this, too. I'm sorry to keep going. But Daniel Jones, read it, throw it. Don't double clutch. <laughs> Don't hold it too long because it's going to result in trouble like it did against the Raiders. And you got to feel it. You know, look at it and move as right away. Don't wait for somebody to come open. That doesn't work anymore for the New York Giants or most football teams, especially when you play a team like the Buccaneers. Well, I know that we're going to transition into the Bucks defense when we're talking about Daniel Jones going up against that Todd Bowles defense, who, by the way, likes to blitz. Uh, about yep. 40% of the time they bring pressure on passing downs. They run that 2-4-5 nickel defense, Phil, and it – creates a lot of opportunity for them a lot of linebackers on the field what do you yes. think about that matchup with those linebackers they're not great 
Um, Jamal Dean and Carlton Davis in the back, those guys are a good duo. But I, I think that there's, if there's a weakness, it's at the coverage of those linebackers for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, you could. I, I, I agree. I'm not going to – listen, I just say this about Todd Bowles. He's an impatient man. And, <laughs> That's you know, right. He yeah. is. You know, yeah. you hit a couple plays – just buckle up. It's, there's some type <laughs> of coming. coming. And, you know, they did a lot of, I thought, you know, they tried everything against the Washington football team. Taylor Heineke, listen, there's no other way to say it. He was ter- terrific. He was magnificent. His moving in the pocket, you know, their old line gave him space. So we, when he, there was nobody open, which was quite a bit. He moved around and made things happen. And you would hope the Giants might have that same opportunity. But, you know, um, it, it's but Todd Bowles. It, that's what I just scold. You you almost can feel it, like oh, they hit two plays. I'll show them, and they do have a lot of different things. Hey, sometimes it's a four. I call it a four man blitz, because they're up there. They got a lot of people at the line of scrimmage, and then the ball is snapped. There's only four rushers, but the problem is which four, and can you make the adjustments quick enough? But uh, always be on the alert that he is going to do that. Be impatient, and sooner or later he he can't help it. He's going to bring pressure and try to make plays for his defense. You know, Phil, and I think that's a great segue to our, one of our fan questions here, this one, at Find My Shadows. How can Daniel Jones's leadership, and I'll add a little couple words here, you know, pre-snap work, help make the offensive line better during a game? And we can specifically focus on this Bucks defense because, to your point, uh, they bring so many different types of blitzes, too, from different areas. How can Daniel help that offensive line along to help this offense be effective despite the fact that they're bringing all that pressure? Well, you know, great communication is always the start. And, you know, I know Daniel Jones, every quarterback is different, and I never judge them the same, that's for sure. But, you know, I had a great – you know, you'd like to think and hope, and, Jeff, you know this too, being in the locker room and being around quarterbacks for so many years, that there's a connection between the quarterback and the O-line. And my sure. connection was always, yes, I had a good connection with them, but I really had one with Bardos. And if anything was going on that I didn't like, I would yell at Bart, sitting on the bench, Bart, you know, and I just would kill him. And just, it was incredible what I would say. I don't know why he didn't punch me. But he'd go, well, Phil, it's not my fault. I said, Bart, I don't care whose fault it is. Fix it. And he'd go, I just can see it like it's yesterday. He'd go, okay. And he'd get up. and, But that that's really, I think, that's part of it. As a quarterback, you do have to have the ability to talk to guys in a certain way, to try to raise their – a sense of urgency, whatever it is, just emotion, whatever it is, to, to to do that. And I don't know if he does that or not, but I always think that's a great tool for the quarterback to have. So, Phil, it's funny. So, I get it now. So, Parcells would yell at you, you'd get mad, <laughs> and you'd take it out on poor Bart Oates. I mean, yeah. come on. A- absolutely. <laughs> the ultimate trickle-down hey. effect. Yeah. Oh, it really is. You know, and I think about it all the time. You know, I just go, God, why do the linemen take it? Well, because that's, you know, that's who they are. Sure. They want to serve, you know, the running back, the quarterback, and be physical and all those things. And, you know, I saw a lot of good traits with the Giants offensive line this past week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have a little trouble a couple times on the edge. But inside, just running the football was what really caught my attention. And when you run the ball well, that just does something. It makes your team tough. It makes, your, of course, your offense. But also it's protecting your defense. And um, that will be interesting to see. Look, everybody plays Tampa. We saw it with the first game of the year with the Dallas Cowboys. They're very good, good, good rush, all these other things. Just spread them out and throw the football quick. But, you know, they've kind of seen that so much. They're getting good at trying to defend that. So I'm interested to see what the Giants do on the offensive side. 
And play a team like that down there. Do not be afraid, that's for sure. Take your chances and, you know, play against this team and don't sit back and try to react to what they're doing. Be their aggressor every once in a while and see how they handle it. I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in the offensive line being able to dominate a game in the run game because I feel like it just sets you up for so much more success through through the whole football game, Phil, especially down in the red zone. What 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 exactly in your mind does this offensive line need to – how do they become those road graders that everybody wants them to be? You said that you noticed a little bit of improvement out of them uh, right before the bye against the, the Vegas team. What is it that we can – we can kind of look for for this group going for, forward in the second half of the season to get better in the run game down there in the short red zone. Well, you know, that's a, listen, that's a good, uh, good question, Jeff. You know, really just being physical. What I mean, and when I say being physical, it's really about the double teams for offensive linemen. Okay. And early in the game against the Raiders, they were, you know, moving them out. And, uh, you know, that, that was great to see. Devontae Booker, I thought, had a really good game. Yeah, we know the stats and all that, but I thought he made the right decisions, which is really important. You know, we never look at the running back and go, he's a decision maker too, just like the quarterback. And I thought he really did a tremendous job of having patience, running to the right spot, and taking advantage of everything the offensive line did. But it did look more aggressive to me against the Raiders. And, you know, I've watched every game, and I just thought inside, I thought Will Hernandez, you know, had a good, good did a good job on it being – uh, physical in the run game, especially on the double teams, and it's something I'd like to. I think they can do now against this Tampa Bay defense, especially without Vita Vey in there. So, uh, I don't know if I answered your question or not. I yeah, tried. no, absolutely. And, and just you know, a quick follow up to that is that you know when you look at this offensive line, a guy like Nate Solder, I thought he had a great game against the Vegas team. I, he really did well, and I think they can build on that going forward because it's got to be important to those guys to win at that line of scrimmage, like you said, especially their double teams. Because as a quarterback, I would imagine that if I got my running game going, then that's going to open up for a little bit more of a play action and then being able to get the football out of my hands quickly on, on some good passes and make some plays. But I see improvement there, and I think that now that you're talking about consistency in the lineup, the guys are starting to play next to each other for an extended period of time. That makes a difference. Andrew Thomas coming back yeah. too, by the way. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, the one thing is I watch the league, and I see this every year, and it's, it really never changes. No team – hardly gets to the playoffs or, of course, has no success in the playoffs without a, a good offensive line. And I always look at it every year and see the teams that get in the playoffs and go, and you start looking at the stats or whatever, and you just go, wow, the numbers tell you the offensive line is it's, you cannot overcome it. If they mm-hmm. struggle, the football team is going to struggle. Yep. So that's why it's, we hear it so much from Dave Gettleman, really everybody. The offensive line, when's it, you know, it going to happen? When's it going to come together and be a force to let all the skill guys, and not only that, but how to manage the game differently because you can trust the offensive line even more. All right, Phil, i got a couple fan questions, and, I have one, and, and, and then I have one wrap-up here. Uh, this one from Tim. Who are a couple guys on offense that you feel need to step up in order for the Giants, and I'm going to edit the last part of this because I have banned the P word from the show until the record gets better, in order for the team to um, pl- play a better brand of football offensively for the rest of the year? The tackles. Bingo. That's it. If the tackles play well, I think that will change the offense and change the, the, uh, what's going on for the Giants as they finish this season out. I think they've really done well. I like the secondary, of course, a lot. And 
they all have the ability to make plays. We've seen it with Bradbury. Logan Ryan is just a tremendous uh, veteran safety. So give the safeties, uh, give the defensive backs a chance. They're they're holding their end of it up. But really, when I look at the team, I just keep looking at the tackles. If they start playing up to a certain level, then I just think the Giants are going to move forward and have success. All right, second question. This one from our boy Charlie. Who was the best wide receiver you played with, and who was the best backup quarterback you played with, Phil? Those, those are the two questions. Well, that's easy. I mean, you know, Jeff Hosteller would be the best backup for sure. I mean, he helped, helped us get to the Super Bowl the year I got hurt, and he did a really good job, there's no doubt. So that's an easy question. Wide receivers, man, you know, we were such a tight end um, dominant football team with Zeke Mowat and Mark Bavaro, as I've always told you. Parcells says, hey, when Bavaro's covered, he's open. Okay, Bill, great <laughs> advice. I got it. But it was true. And the same with Zeke Mowat. Just throw him open. Throw it. They'll, they'll adjust and make the catches. But wide receivers, you know, we just had a big group of them. I think Lionel Manuel is a guy that always kind of sticks out in my mind. And his biggest problem, he, you know, he was nicked a lot, so we never really got those connections going. And we weren't the kind of team that was going to feature a wide receiver either. But, man, could he run routes, John and Jeff. He could come out of a break literally and never slow down. Mm-hmm. And I, we used to look at him, and Parcells would go, what are those ankles made of? And Because <laughs> that's how good he was. And everybody had trouble covering him once he got away from the, pre, the release, whatever it was. They had trouble covering him on all crossing in routes or out routes because he could make the, the cut so quick. All right, final question, Phil. What do you think the game flow is going to be like for this game on Monday? Like, the way I'm looking at it, I think the Giants will probably have to get to, I mean, the bare minimum will be 24. I think 27 is preferable if you want a chance to win. Do you think it's going to be a high-scoring game, sky-scoring game like that? Or do you think the Giants will be able to play the Bucks like they did Kansas City and Las Vegas and kind of keep it in that high-teens, low-20s area? Well, I think they'll try. I, I don't. I think this will be different. I think you're right. John saying 27 seems like the magic number. You know, the Buccaneers, unless you can do what the Washington football team did and just go out there and hold the ball forever and shorten the game, it was kind of fun to watch. I go, oh, the end of the first quarter, and the next thing you know, it's the last drive of the game. <laughs> and it was amazing what the Washington football team did. But, you know, that, that um, my question is, they had the 27 points, and I think the Buccaneers – the point is, even when you're doing a good job against them, they have so many playmakers that they're always, like I said, trying to throw it down the field, and they're not real patient with it. They're going to try. And like I said, Brady's throwing the ball physically about as well as he ever has, and they like to throw in. They take a book out of the old New England Patriots when Brady was up there. They put some of these plays in and do them a lot more because of him, and that's the seam routes up the inside seams. They do it with their wide receivers, their tight ends, and they do it a lot. And Tom Brady is great at it, looks it off, and then turns and throws it. He predetermines, which I would tell Daniel Jones, too. When you're throwing seams, I don't think I ever threw one in a game where I didn't know where I was going to throw it before the ball was snapped. Mm -hmm. You see how they line up, and I would drop back and look to the other guy. And, of course, the defense, they're going to run with your eyes, and then you turn and you throw it to the other guy. You don't drop back and read the coverage and determine which one you're going to go to. You're not going to have that kind of time anymore in the league. And Brady, I, as I've watched him, i watched three of their games this week. He does it every time. When he throws a seam pass, it's predetermined. He looks it off, turns, and fires it. 
And I'm just that's my advice to Daniel Jones. He looked at the Raiders. He went back and tried to read it. There's not that kind of time, and I think that's the where he had the fumble too in the game, where the ball was knocked out of his hands. So something to look out for, something to learn, and do try to do that in the games. Phil, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for being with us, and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Thank you, Phil. All right, John, Jeff, good talking to you. And what did I hear that Paul's going to be back for the rest of the year? Yeah, I think so. Is that what you said? Yeah, sadly. Okay. Well, we all have across the you know the bear, so that'll be it. We'll we'll do our best, John. Thank you, Phil. <laughs> good luck. All right, guys. See you, Jeff. <laughs> Goodbye. Okay. All right. <laughs> Enjoy your next two weeks preparing for Poly Dots. That's Phil Sims in the Sims Spotlight presented by Bigelow Tea. Grab a mug and tea proudly. Jeff, as always, great insight from Phil. Oh, absolutely. You just love to, to hear his perspective, especially we obviously know he was a great quarterback, um, played a lot of football, but also has analyzed a lot of football too. And I think that each week he does a great job breaking down that opponent that the Giants are going to play in a in a special way that the fans can kind of understand it in a very simplistic way. Well, I mean, I'll probably say this, Jeff. I mean, is there anyone that's seen – remember, he was CBS's number one analyst sure. on TV. Yeah. I mean, is there anyone on the national scene that has seen Brady in person more than Phil Sims? Probably not. I mean, let's be honest, right? Oh, maybe no, Nance. I, that's it. Yeah, Nance. But and I think the next one would be maybe Joe Buck and Aikman. But they don't cover the NFC that much. I mean, that, no, I'd probably not. I mean, who would be Kenny Albert? Maybe I, I have no, no idea. He's, those are Fox guys, you know. So, yeah. um, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that you know the one thing that I, I thought very interesting, and I think you did too, was that last comment he made about, you know. You gotta you you gotta know where you're going before you even get to the line of scrimmage, and and if you have the success of looking off those safeties and then being coming back, and you're right, I, I as he was saying that, I'm I'm just picturing Tom Brady in that type of sequence, that that's his bread and butter play, to, especially to Gronkowski, you know that that seam route, it's just like it's so embedded in my mind what it looks like because he drops back, he plants, he's looking the other way, and all of a sudden it turns and boom, it's a perfect strike. The guy's usually wide open, and it's a big play. Giants got to capitalize on that, and I believe that's the one way you can intercept him if you do a good job and being coy, if you can against Tom Brady. I don't know, but yeah, and the reason Jeff, I asked the question too, and I think it's a real test this week, and I, I talked to. Um, the Giants defensive back coach, Henderson, outside. Oh, yeah. We, we uh, just had the uh, assistant coaches out there. And I asked him, I go, you know, you guys have stressed keeping everything in front of you, breaking on the ball. And I think one of the reasons they've taken steps in terms of not giving up as many points the last few weeks, Jeff, is that they haven't given up the big plays over the top, right? They've been much more disciplined in their depth and things like that. But a guy like Brady, and frankly, we saw it against Las Vegas a couple weeks ago where they were able to just dink and dunk and run it go up and down the field, and they just couldn't score any touchdowns. But can you play that way against Brady? And if you watch that game against Washington last week, how many little dump-offs did he throw to Leonard Fournette for like six or seven yards? He just did it the whole game. And, you know, basically, Henderson told me that, yeah, if he does that, we're kind of okay with it. So I think that this is going to be one of those deals, and I think Phil gave the right answer when I asked him the question, that the Giants are – just going to live with those short completions, make them do it, make them navigate their way down the field, and they're going to try to stiffen up in the red zone again. Again, Which, last two yeah. weeks, three of 12, it's worked. Yep. Yep. But you're going up against a guy like Tom Brady, expecting to keep him out of the red zone three out of four times. Hmm. That's a big ask. Well, I mean, he leads the NFL in touchdown passes, so he's doing something right down there. Yeah, not Mike, all of not all of them are outside the 20-yard line. So Mike Evans is pretty good in the red zone too. Yeah, and that's – I would – you know – we all kind of envy that connection 
uh, between quarterback and receiver there because you got the big. He's a big dude. Um, I, I really think with Gronk, Brown, and even uh, Godwin being nicked up and hurt is really hurt uh, Coach or Tom Brady in the last few weeks. I mean, it really he's shown that. Yep. You know, and so I, I know that the Giants are coming off the bye, not the not the the Bucks. So you know, we'll see about injuries as we get closer to the game. But um, I wanted to ask Phil, and I didn't get a chance to. You know, I I said this on the show earlier. I think it was on a Tuesday that my fear with the Giants and with any other team actually is when you do come out of this bye. And he kind of he kind of like he commented a little bit that teams when they do come out of the bye, what happens to them? I'm just hoping that this Giants defense can keep that that competitive spirit that they've had the last three weeks now going for a month. Uh, coming out of the bye, because that's going to be important for the Giants to go forward and win games. Don't lose that edge, right? Yeah. And how do you, like, how do you keep that? And um, because really, when you're a football player, John, and you're week to week, and you know how routine these guys are. You know, Thursdays they have this, and Wednesdays they have that. Tuesdays they have day off, and everything is the same. Everything's the same. And then all of a sudden, the bye week comes, and now all of a sudden. We're not even looking at film now. We're just looking. We're doing different stuff, and we kind of you kind of throw off your rhythm a little bit. Sometimes you get it back, but I think sometimes there's an abbreviation. It's sometimes it's a little bit, and it takes a little bit of time. Just and unfortunately, they're going up against a team that you don't have time to to get it back. You got to bring it with you against this team. So it'll be interesting. I, I think the defense is going to have to play well, and the offense. I, I like the game plan, John. I don't know about you, but you know, what Washington did last week, if the Giants can have that kind of ground attack, they didn't make a lot of yards on the ground, but they sure did eat up a lot of clock. That was the big thing. Yeah, the Bucks ran 47 offensive plays in the game. Wow. It's a yeah. low number. And, and look at the time of possession yep. when we looked at that. It was Lance and I were going over that. It's just, it was, you're going to go like, what? But there was a 10-minute drive in the fourth quarter that the Washington had, which did a big, you know, had a big part with that. So, I think that's the game plan. If I if I'm the Giants coaching staff, I got to be able to convert first downs and and also get some make some hay on those first and second downs. You know, earlier in the year you brought this up, and I feel like the Giants must have been listening. Well, of course they were. Of course they were. Everyone listens to me. But no the one, first down actually. plays. I you know the Giants have done a nice job on passing on first down this year, opposed to the years in the past, and play action a lot of it too. Yeah, and I think that. I think that'll continue if you if you have the ability to run the football a little bit better, and um, so we'll see what happens. I, I'm excited to get back into some football here soon. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. The Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. People who are not fully vaccinated are at greater risk from COVID nineteen. Protect yourself. Get vaccinated. Visit ny.gov/get-vaccinated or talk to your healthcare provider. All right, let's get to it, folks. And just a reminder, we did some self-scout over the bye week as well. And I'm trying to limit our regulars to just one call a week here. Uh, just I want to get – you know, we always let the phones ring in. People complain that it's busy all the time. I want to make sure that I give everyone a chance to get in that wants to get in. If we get through a couple weeks and we realize, all right, well, you know, we'll we're having some dead periods. Maybe we'll make an adjustment. But the self-scout is we're trying to get you guys in one day a week. We'll let you go a little bit longer to get all your points in. But we want to try to give other people a chance to uh, get in as well. So we do have a couple people on the line. We have one open line if you guys want to get in at 201-939-4513. Let's go to Tim in Charleston. He will lead us off today. Tim, what's going on? Hi, Tim. Hey, John, Jeff. How you guys doing? We're great. Good. Um, 
I, you know, I spoke to you before, but I, I usually call Wednesdays because it's my day off. But, John, I had a question that I'll get to in a second specifically for you, so I waited because I didn't want to break, break the rule. loaded question rule. for you, Sean. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it, it's kind of an intro. But let me talk. First, I wanted to comment on something that, what Phil said at the end. Mm-hmm. And like Jeff said, I hope Daniel Jones is listening or somebody could get him that little bit about how, you know, run those, run those seam routes and, and don't look. You know, know, know where, what spot on the field you're going to throw the ball to when you see the defensive alignment. Have Ingram or Tony or whoever it is run to that spot, look away, and throw it there. So Now, Tim, by the way, be... re- really quickly, yeah. the key for that is you ha- if, in order to do that, you have to be 100% positive what that coverage is pre-snap. That's why Brady's able to do it, because of all his years in the league and he can identify what teams are going to do, where he does not have to see that his guy on the one side of the field that he's looking off is open. You know, right. if Daniel isn't sure, it's hard to do that. That's why a guy like Brady is an experience. That's why he's so good. But, yes, and the Bucks do run a good deal of cover three. That's a defense that is susceptible to the seam route. So I think that's kind of the key there. The Bucks do a really good job at disguising their coverages now. So he's going to have to be really sharp pre-snap to do those sorts of things. Right. Well, you know, like when you look off, if the defense doesn't react the way you want them to, then you don't do it. You know, and but I, I feel that he's, I think feel that even since the beginning of the year, he, Jones has gotten better at not telegraphing his throws so much. It seemed like yep. early in the season, he was, a, he was a little bit too much looking too hard. You know what I mean? So this, the second thing, is, before I get to my question for you, John, is, you know, obviously we're hoping and praying that uh, both Barkley and Thomas come back this week. Oh, and Tim, Tim, I'm sorry, Tim, really quick. I should give that injury announcement. Uh, Joe Judge did talk today before practice, and he said both Thomas and Saquon will be doing a little bit more today in team sessions. So we should have an even better feel after today how far they are along, but it looks like both have a legitimate chance to be back. I think Barkley probably a better chance than Thomas. Right, and, and yeah, and obviously we have it through Saturday before we get the final injury report. Yep. But, you know, Arguably, I as much as I love Saquon, I would argue that as 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 well as the running game did last week, that uh, Thomas I think is for me he's one A, you know, in terms of getting him back because it improves so many things. So that's just my opinion. But now the question I have for you, John, is and, and, and Tim, by the way, for yeah. me, not just one A, he's just one. Um, and yeah. I think Phil okay. and, and look. Phil said it too, right? When he was asked what guys on offense have to step up to play better, he said the offensive tackles. And I agree. Do you know how the offensive tackles play better? Get Andrew Thomas back on the field. <laughs> Quickly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so the question I have for you, John, is in the offseason, you guys always come up with a myriad of interesting stats and numbers and everything. But the one thing that stuck in my head that I've been th- I just was thinking about this week that you brought up in the offseason was some numbers from last year on Daniel Jones about how when he ran play action, and, and we know that the, the way to sell play action is to be under center, but that his numbers weren't good when he was under center and had to turn his back to the defense and turn back around. His completion percentage, his passer rating, his yards per, uh, per attempt, all of that was lower than when he was out of the shotgun. And But obviously, I think we all agree, under center, the play action just works better against the defense. I was wondering if you had, and I don't expect you have them at your fingertips, or if you could 
get a midseason update on how his performance is so far this year with that regard to that statistic as opposed to last year. And I'll, I'll take your comments and feedback off the air, gentlemen. Thank you again. Tim, you. I, I can actually get that up right now, and that was actually on my list of something to do during the bye week. I ran out of time, but I will do that right now. Jeff, if you want to comment on some of the other things that he said. Well, I, I feel like, I feel first and foremost, the, the play action has predicated itself on a, a good running game. I keep saying that. But absolutely under center. Because, I mean, I feel like when you're under center and you're turning your back to the defense, the defense doesn't know what you're doing. I feel like when you're in shotgun and you get the ball and you're facing the defense, they can definitely see what you're doing. So there's not as much of a disguise. And I feel like the defense on play action has that that little split second that they just have to uh, familiarize themselves with what's going on in the play. And by that time in the NFL, that can be the difference between six points and a sack. So I, I think that, yes, I agree with you. I'm interested, too, to see the statistics that John's going to find. But um, I think not only Daniel Jones, but I would imagine that most quarterbacks are so much better when their play action is working successfully. It really – I think it's it's a it's a good thing to find. Is that a pro football focus uh, thing you can find, John? Yes, is that what I, can, it is? I can sort plays by formation and play action or no play action. So I do have it. Tim, good call. Really good question. And lo and behold, how about this? Daniel Jones has been much better this year out of play action under center as opposed to last Mm -hmm. year when he was much better out of shotgun. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll give you the numbers. Out of shotgun, 21 of 40, 187 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. From under center, 44 of 56, 525 yards, Three touchdowns, no picks. There you go. That is pretty, 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 pretty good. Keep it doing. Keep it going. And by the way, Joe Judge also makes the um, a he points out a difference between play action and run action. You know, play action, you fake the handoff and you go about your business, but run action is when you actually have like the guard pulling and the offensive line blocks like it's a run play. He calls that run action and. It's a lot easier to do that under center than it is at a shotgun, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely, because you want to make it look more like a regular traditional run with the guard pulling and this and that. So, Right. Um, and, I, and what I like about Daniel Jones' ability to, on that run action as you're talking about, John, the, the ability to do a bootleg out of that and, and kind of reverse the field a little bit because you get the flow of the offense and defense moving towards the football and, and that, you know, obviously the linebackers are reading those those guards and if they're pulling, they're flowing. And I think Daniel Jones with his speed and, by the way, his accuracy outside the pocket's pretty good. I think you can, you can build off of those types of plays. Yeah, and I think, too, when you're under center and he does play action, you have to account for the quarterback run there as well. And frankly, you can max protect more, Jeff, out of mm-hmm. that shotgun from under center, right? It's mm-hmm. you can't mm-hmm. really do that as much out of shotgun because you're spread out more. But you run that, you know, run action from under center. That running back can stay in and block. You can keep a couple tight ends in block. Just have two or three man routes. It keeps the read simple, and you can get the ball out quick too because you're not reading a whole a whole defense. You're getting more guys into the box. So. There are advantages to both, and Jones in the past had always been better at shotgun play action because, frankly, I think that's what he did a lot more at Duke. He sure. didn't really go on their center much there. Never. So. He never did. Remember? Yep. Coming in, he had to learn how to take a snap. I mean, <laughs> believe it or not, quarterback had to learn how to take a snap from underneath. All that right. was crazy. Let's go back to the phones, Jeff. Rick in Tampa mm-hmm. Bay, he's up next. Rick, what's up? Well, hey, Rick. 
well, of course you got to talk to me my once this week since you're coming down here to Tampa. And uh, <laughs> first, John, can I just say one thing, John, is that I didn't want the Knicks to live and die by the three-point this year, and it seems like that's the way they're going, and I'm not a big fan of that. And I know you're not either. So that's not a good not a good game last night. And uh, you're Bad loss. Right not bad loss, bad loss. Yeah, anyway, so, okay. Now, first things first. Let me first, uh, please, John, if you're coming, or Paul, I don't think, Jeff, you're coming down to Tampa. I know you want to come down to Tampa. I would love to come, yeah. You'd love to come down to Florida and golf. Beautiful weather it's going to be. But if John, Paul, Lance, who's ever coming down for the game. It's just me, just me. You are coming. Just, Just me, yes, fly. yeah, but 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 I'm not flying. Fly. I'm not flying down till Monday morning. Though I'm warning you. Oh. Okay, no, I'm working Pulling Monday. All day that's Plaza, but please, if you have if you have that couple minutes, the mall is right next to the stadium. Stop in and walk into the Hugo Boss store and right outside of Neiman Marcus and say, "What's up?" I'd love to say hi to you. So please, <laughs> that's good. come that's by it. and say hello. Right. Well, if there's a couple suits waiting for me, Rick, maybe I'll do just that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'll take care of you. Just come and say hello. I, I love, you know, over the years, the guys have stopped in the store when they've been in town. I just forgot to get you a Paul awesome. or somebody. Just pop in and say hello. Sounds That's good, right? Appreciate it. Just a, just a hello. Anytime you're down there. Anyway. Okay. Now, we all week, I mean, I've been just, I've been, uh, I guess, fighting over this idea of this total revenge not revenge, just the, 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 the being upset Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I'm hearing about it down here all the time. And if you look at these get-right games last week, the Bills just killing the Jets, Cowboys just killing, you know, Atlanta. Um, I, I'm, I'm nervous about, uh, you know, they're taking it out Monday night on the Giants. Now, with that said, talking hearing Phil and hearing, and you guys over the week and with with Andrew Thomas, Galladay, and cross my fingers, uh, Barkley coming back, and we have everybody on the team. We have our best chance we're ever going to have to beat this team in Tampa on Monday night. And I really see that it's got to be on the coaches to to come up with that, come up with that game plan, and and to really really go. Belichick on them or something like because you know Tom Brady against the Giants over the years he just we had some way we could beat him you know and he was he didn't like playing against the Giants and uh, uh, so I, I put that part on the coaches to really have the game of their life but I have to ask you know when when Phil was just saying about Daniel Jones not reading uh, uh, not throwing the ball and not getting it out of his hands I mean it's uh, three years into his in, in, into his little, young career I mean. Why are we still saying that about him? Oh, well, no, I well, Rick, mean, Rick, 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 I think he just meant specifically on the seam route. I, I think that was okay. his specific okay. point on that because mm-hmm. Jones has been getting the ball out of his hands much, much quicker this year. Okay. Much okay. quicker. Okay. All right, because I hear that. I'm like, wait a second. Why are we even talking about that? Only because, I mean, come on, it's third year. He should That should have been worked on already. But, okay, that answers that. Now, I have a question for you. Uh, it's a real uh, easy one. Of, of the guys coming back, if they all say all three come back, is that going to be the um, uh, difference maker for this game, or is it going to be the uh, the defense? Uh, just if they're bending and not breaking, saying we have to score points. I think you'll admit that if that's not going to work, if we're not scoring, we have it. So is that going to be the difference maker, or is it going to be us stopping Tom Brady? 
Uh, or and also, if we win the coin toss, are you? What do you think? What, what would you do? Take the ball or or kick? Because uh, it's in a hostile hostile game against Brady. What would you do there? And the last one is with the um, uh, defense uh, playing the way they've been. Uh, do you think that they could? Limit Tom Brady enough, or is it, again back to the offense. It's the offense has to score points. And oh, that was my other thing. Daniel Jones, he runs the ball well, running when he leaves the pocket. He's fast. We know that. Do you see him as a scrambler, though? I mean, I haven't. Do you think they would work something in where he would scramble behind the back, uh, behind the offensive line, or around the line of scrimmage versus just run? I don't really see him doing too much of that. Uh, is that just not him as a scrambler? But he runs. We know that. He loves running, and he's fast. But actually scramble and wait for his players, these offensive threats that we have with Tony and Galladay and, all, and Saquon, to get open. Do you think that's something in the game plan that maybe Garrett could use this week? So there you go. Kind of threw out three questions for you. But um, that's it. And, Thank you, Rick. Uh, that'll be my call for the week. Awesome. Stop by, John. Monday, I'll be there. I will try. I will try. Hopefully, we can squeeze that in. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Thank you, Rick. See you then. I'm not sure where the hotel is. If we're close to the stadium, I'll try and do it. If we're not close to the stadium, we usually take the take the bus like right into it, so I can't really go out and then come back in again. Yeah. So that yeah. might not work. All right. You don't have a ticket. No. Uh, a lot to unpack there. So let's work our way back. <laughs> I think it was more than two questions. Yes, there was a lot of questions, but but they were all good ones. So yeah. All right, let's work our way backwards. So first, Jones is a scrambler. I do not consider him a scrambler. No, I consider him when he has to scramble. He's very good at it. But he almost scrambles to run. He doesn't scramble to 100%. throw. When I said when he has to scramble, yeah, when he has to, when he's forced to get out of the pocket and make a play, he's pretty good at it. Yeah. But I don't feel like the Giants want to make him or have they made him uh, a guy that's, you know, is going to – there's – so I guess I'm – Wait, let me back up. So and, scr- and Jeff, by the way, that isn't something the coaches design. That's no, just something that's either inside 100%. a guy or not. Yeah, and I, I, I feel what I'm trying to say here is that scrambling, yes, the play is broken down and you've got to scramble. And I just feel like he makes plays, but I mean, is he is he like a you know some of these other guys around the league? No, he's not. So does that make sense? Yes, it does. By the way, we do have okay. a couple open lines, folks. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. All right. Coin Question toss. number two, coin toss. <laughs> if I recall properly, they actually won the coin toss at Kansas City, and they chose to defer. So if you're going to defer in that game, you're probably going to defer in every game, <laughs> to yeah. be honest with you. So I just think it's barring weather conditions at this point that could dictate. I think it's probably going to be pretty much an automatic defer. Uh, and so – I'm looked. It was funny because when he said the deferring, <clears throat> to me it always mattered about the weather. So I instantly went to the weather in Tampa Bay for Monday, and it's going to be the, the low is going to be 50, and the high is going to be 74 that day. No and rain. It's partly cloudy. Okay. And so, so Sunday you're going to get some rain, um, but maybe that moves in. But that's what it. And by by the way, we've we've kind of see where the, this is where the analytics all come in. It, it's this is how it works. That's one of the big analytics in football is the deferment thing because we, we, we see how the Giants have failed to stop teams scoring going into the locker room, and then they get the ball in the second half. The Giants want to do the same. They want to get that ball uh, on that last drive of the first, first half and then get the ball in the second half. So I, I, I'm a big believer in deferring. So I would, I would, uh, 
I would defer. I put my defense out there and and make a make a statement. Get Tom Brady three and out, and let them start to think that there's really something wrong with them. Yeah, there was actually it was the Chiefs game, and I'm going to bring it up right now to make sure I'm not just completely fabricating this whole story and opinion here. Um, bringing up the game book on, on on Jesus here. Let's see who won the coin toss in that game. Uh, I, I actually think the Giants won the coin toss, and didn't they? Yes, New York Giants won the coin toss and chose to defer. That 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 that's what yeah. I thought I remembered. Yep. And to me, I we actually had this conversation in the booth with with Carl Bob and I. Um, right before and then afterwards, and we all thought that, you know what, I know deferring is better because you can try to score right out of the half and you score going into the half and you get the little sandwich Mm -hmm. of scores there. But given how much the Chiefs' defense had struggled and you want to take the crowd out of the game, would it have made sense there to take the ball, try to go down and score and stop the avalanche before it started? You know, kind of one of those deals. Now, it ended up working out because the the Chiefs (laughs) ended up throwing an interception in the end zone anyway. But... To me, if there was ever a game where you're going to receive, that was the game. And the fact they didn't do it there with the Chiefs' weaker defense and that being in that building and all that, I I would be very surprised, again, barring some kind of weather deal, that they would choose to receive here instead of defer. I, I don't want to receive in an away stadium, especially for playing a team that's come off of two losses. It's can you take the football. Oh, why? You think it's too hard to hear? It's going to be too loud? It's, I feel like a three and out is coming. And you're the, then now you're giving Tampa Bay most likely good field position, and that's just I don't want to start that way. I want to put my defense out there and let them go three and out. Um, so that's just my my thinking, because I just feel like it's very you know how the beginning of the games are, John. Everybody's hyped up. They just came in from the parking lot. Everybody's drinking, having a good time. This and that. They're loud as heck. And now the Giants have the football. They can't they can't communicate. They go three and out. Now it's the the crowd did their job. Tampa Bay gets the ball and they go down and score for some reason, whether three or seven. But I, I just I don't want to face that. I want to put the defense out there and I'm going to stop Tom Brady and then I'm going to get the ball and take the crowd out of it. That that's my philosophy. Interesting. All right, and then the first question he had, uh, key to the game here, is it scoring or slowing down Tom Brady? And I will say this: well, if the key to you winning a football game is stopping Tom Brady, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think you. I don't think you can put all your eggs in that basket. No, no way. No way. Uh, and and actually, you answer your own question. If you're going to slow Tom Brady down, then you may not have to score as many points. But I, I feel like you just have to. You have to. You talk about game flow. Um, that's where I, I don't think when you go into a game, the game plan is saying that we've got to score 24 points to win this game. Because you don't know how good your defense is going to play. Right. What if you only got to score 14 to win? Well, then that's great. So game flow. If the game gets out of control in the first quarter and they're up 14 nothing, well, guess what? You're going to have to score some points. <laughs> so, do you think Do you think 27 is a good target for this game? That was a question I asked Phil. Well, I, 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 I don't want it. I think it's I think it's a high number to get to because the Giants just don't score points. They average 19 a game. I mean, so no, but yeah, but do you let me put it this way? They scored 17 right against Kansas City in that game, and then against Las Vegas, the defense had a pick six, so they only scored 16 points against Las Vegas. If the offense scores 17 or 16 points in this game, do you have any any confidence that they're going to win? No, no, exactly. So I guess the question is yes. Then so I got to get into the 20s. Is it 21? Is it 24? Is it 28? You know, um, it's it's hard to say. 
It's really hard to say. I, if I if I'm going to go on that, um, what we talked about the Giants' defense coming out of the bye and playing with that competitiveness and that good confidence, then I could believe that the Giants, if they score 24 points, they might be able to win this game if this defense plays the way that they have in the last month. Yeah, and you know this is I'm not trying to pour water here, so yell at me if you think that I am. But like I heard somebody say a couple weeks ago, Patrick Graham's scheme against. The Raiders was a masterpiece. That the Giants defense is playing this unbelievable brand of football. Guys, the Raiders had over 400 yards of offense. They got into the red zone six times. Mm -hmm. The fact that they scored only 16 points, is that what the Raiders scored in the game? 13 points, whatever the hell they finished with? That's an aberration. If you give up 400 yards of offense and you let a team get into the red zone six times, odds are you're giving up a lot more than 16 points. Yeah. So let's not make it out that they like were forcing all these three and outs. The Raiders moved the ball. They just couldn't finish. Now, was that a credit to the Giants' defense? Yes. But it was not this like shutdown performance where the Raiders couldn't do anything, and that's how they got their 16. You know, they moved the ball. The Giants just kept them out of the end zone. And I think against a team like the Bucks, with Tom Brady, with Mike Evans, with Chris Godwin, with even Leonard Fournette, who's a you know hard-nosed, big, downhill type of runner, I think it's going to be much, much harder to keep that team out of the end zone once they're inside the 20 than their last two opponents. 100%. I would put, I would I would bet on that, even though I don't bet. That, that's how confident I'm in that. What you just said, <laughs> I, since I, those are some serious weapons, man. And I, I think, in in my opinion, how this team is going to win this game is number one. I have always said it because they they should have three more wins than they have on the season. They just beat themselves. That's the number one rule for me going on the road. This week, the Giants into Tampa is you can't beat yourself to have a chance to win. Jeff, I have a question for you. Okay, now finish first, and then I'll fight back on you. So Go you ahead. can't just can't when I when how what does beat yourself mean? It's self inflicted wounds that we've seen all the time, just dumb penalties, okay, and turnovers. You can't turn the ball on the road. That's just you can't do that. Okay, you got to play smart football, and you've got to you got to try to to somehow limit. The amount of, as Lance always says, at bats that you're going to give Tom Brady to come against your defense. That's how you're going to have to win. That's it. What you got? I don't like this whole they should have won three more games thing. Well, here's the thing. If if I okay, I know, and, and it's a bad thing to say because, and I'm the last person that should say that because my wife has told me so many times when I was playing that you didn't have a 40 yard net because if the ball went in the end zone. Okay, if it hadn't gone in the end zone, the guy hadn't have tipped it, and it didn't go into the end zone, and it was down on the one, I would have had a forty-yard net, but I only had a thirty-four. She she used to drill me like that, but that's not the case. The case is that they didn't win the games, so I I shouldn't say that. But the fact is, they should they could have very easily won those games. Well, yes, but Jeff, I'm going to throw it the other way. What do you think Raider fans are saying after that loss to the Giants? I, I know they can all do it. Absolutely. The Raiders it's, are saying, well, we turned it over two times. We had penalties. We should have won that game. I agree. Okay, I and agree with what you're saying. Same thing with after the Saints game. You don't think Saints fans are saying, we were up by 10 points in the fourth quarter and it's, we relaxed and we let them off the hook. So these things run both ways. They do. And, and, and for discussionary purposes to, to – 
prove a point, I should say, is why I bring that up. Right. Okay. And and, and my point is is that if you're going to win against Tampa, you can't do the things that cost you those other three games. Maybe absolutely. that's the way I should have said it. Fair, yeah. though, and that is absolutely fair. If you do those things that you yeah. did in those games against Tampa. That sounds better. You're, you're not just going to lose. You're going to lose by a few scores. That's right. And that that's the way it should have been said at the beginning, but um, no, and, and are, that's fair. That's fair. And that, and that and that's the that's the God's honest truth. And that's not only the Giants if they go into Tampa. If if the Giants if Tampa was playing the Eagles this week, that we they would say the same thing. You, you can't go. This is a team that is very disgruntled right now, and and that does make a difference. I'm ta- I'm sorry. The stat that you that you told us when you came on the air with Phil in O two. That's the last time that Tom Brady – that's real, folks. That's a real stat now. <laughs> and, by the way, that is also the last time Tom Brady started a whole year and did not make the playoffs. <laughs> that's a stupid – Which is insanity. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to talk about that, and, and that's gonna, we're going to bring that up as far as, you know, how are you going to win this game? Well, I mean, you're going to have to play really good. You're going to have to stop that guy. Hey, wouldn't you like to be that team? And, and the Giants have every – they they could do it. They've done it before with Tom Brady. Well, I mean, look, if, if if there's any team that's going to do it, yeah, it's, it's the it. Giants. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> good. That would be a great start to the second half of the season for this team. It would be Jeff. And by the way, we'll do one more call here. If you guys want to try to squeeze them in, we got open lines two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Get in. We'll try to take some calls. Um, you know, Jeff. And when you break down this game, you know we've talked a lot about Brady here. What do you think the Giants' offense has to do against this Bucks defense? Who blitzes? You mentioned it to Phil, second highest blitz rate in the league, only behind Miami, and they're kind of neck and neck. They've gone back and forth, first and second most of the year. Uh, they mix in a lot of different coverages. They're not playing quite as much man to man as they used to. But to me, this is a deal where you're going to have to be patient and you know, kind of take what they give you. Because if you try to do too much, hold the ball and squeeze it downfield when it's not there, they disguise coverages. This that 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 could be big time negative plays. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're willing to just you know check down, check down. If Vita Vey is not there, run it, run it, run it, and you know be methodical and not take too many chances. I think that's the formula in a game like this. I, I think what you want to do is I would go back and look at the Saints game as how that team communicated on the road in a in a loud place. Um, how they put that last drive together to go win a football game. I would be watching a lot of that tape. But for me, it's communication I, and, and pre-snap reads. And by the way, they disguise coverages. So when, when you, the outside receivers and the guys that are in their routes have to be able to be on the same page as Daniel Jones to eliminate any turnovers and, and just you know mental mistakes. And, but I think that it's patience. Um, something that Todd Bowles is not. I thought that was hilarious. But, I mean, you have to be able to just say, listen, we're going to take our three-yard gain on first down if I have to check to this because now we've got second and seven and we can get four or five on, on second down and we get those manageable third down and then we just control the clock. And then we'll take our we'll take our chances when we get down in there to score some points because you do not want that Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, even though they are struggling, you still don't want them on the field. And you help, and as Phil said, if you can run the football and you can, those two tackles can protect, you're helping your defense. That's that's how, and what does that all equate to, John? Complimentary football, something we don't talk enough about. All right, let's wrap it up with one more phone call. Marcus in Arizona joins us next. Hey, Marcus, what's up? Hey, how you guys doing? We're great, man. What's going on? 
Uh, nothing. I just, you know, with like Quincy Roche coming on and us adding Isaiah Wilson and stuff on the practice squad, like what are their contracts like and the likelihood that they'll be available next year and we'll have them and building forward and their oh, production. Well. And I'll take your answer off the air. Well, I appreciate it. Thank I, you. I, I think, John, I mean, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me, but I mean, Quincy Roche was drafted this year and the Giants picked him up as they, they claimed him on waivers, right? They took him off of the yeah. They claimed him off waivers when the Steelers cut him at the at the at the deal. So yes. he's he's basically he was a six round draft pick. So whatever you, you know whatever that contract was on waivers is now comes to the Giants. So he's 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 here for a while. Um, I don't know about Wilson. What happened there? With that that was a waiver pickup also, right? Because no, nah, he was he he was a street free agent. At oh, that that's point. right, because mm-hmm. he cleared waivers. Yes, because of the all to all yeah off field stuff. So I would have guessed, I would guess, and I don't know this, maybe you can find it, but I would think that Quin- Quincy Wilson probably has a one- or two-year deal, just kind of like show-me thing, you know? like You mean, uh, you mean Isaiah Wilson? Isaiah Wilson, yes. excuse me. I, as Wilson, look, I think it's just a one-year deal, but I don't. if the player only has a certain amount of service time, doesn't, doesn't that give even the Giants a certain amount of rights to him if they do have him on their contract at the end of the year? Isn't that how it works, or am I wrong about that? I, I don't want to comment. I don't know if I don't know official. I can't say. But no, no, I, me neither. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's why I'm asking. Because you know, there's there's advantages both to the player and the organizations for being vested in the league. Meaning, you know, once you become so many years in the league, you're now. Be, so if they if they cut you, then you go as a free agent. So I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. It's a good question. I, I would imagine the way that they're using him on the practice squad and, and more of a developmental role that they're looking for 2022 from him. Yeah, I agree. And so he's got to have a contract. And by the way, he was sitting there with no one looking to sign him. I don't think there yeah. will be a bunch of teams lined up to, to throw a bunch of money right. at him either. And I think, in th- again, this is just me speculating completely at this point, that there would be some, all right, well, you know, the Giants are giving me a chance here. I'm going to, you know, feel some loyalty towards them here. And he's not going to go try to run to another team – that might try to throw a couple more dollars at him because the Giants are the team that took the chance on him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. And by the way, if you're a big Quincy Roche fan, go check it out on the Giants Huddle podcast. I did a one-on-one with Quincy last Friday. So it's not the most recent episode because the Banks episode is on after that, but go to the Giants Huddle podcast feed. Check it out. You can check out that Quincy Roche interview. We kind of talked about Jeff. but You know, we all thought he would be kind of like a third or a fourth round pick. When we talked about yeah. him in the offseason last year, he dropped all the way to the sixth round. And one thing I asked him, I said, you know, Quincy, does that, you know, something that, you know, kind of motivate? And before I can even get the word motivated out of my mouth, he's like, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Of course. He was, not, he was like, he was still really annoyed about it. And that's a good answer. And you want to hear that time. I was hoping that he would say something like that. You know, if you don't get a remark like that out of the player, ask, you asking the question like that, then I think there's something wrong. I, I, I applaud that. And not just because he went to Miami, but I, I think that's just. <laughs> but I think that that shows me that he has something to prove in his mind. And 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 by the way, that's a real thing. There's so many guys. Look at Tom Brady. I mean, that he's he's come out and said that this fueled me. I was a fifth round draft pick or sixth round, whatever it was. That are you kidding me? Yeah, and Roche was annoyed. He goes, well, you know, just because you go to the combine, you don't run a four four, you don't you know do all these physical tests. It means you can't play football. I guess they're wrong about that. He was he, he had a big chip well, on his shoulder. It was I'll funny. tell you what he did do, and you're a big fan of this, and and that's that's the Senior Bowl. 
I mean, yeah. he, he he stood out in the Senior Bowl. In fact, is it Na- Nagy? What yep, is the, Jim yeah, Nagy, yep. He, he basically called him out and said, this this guy had one of the better um, – you know, appearances at the senior bowl than, than anyone. And even though it didn't seem to help him much because it was a six round draft pick, but still, I think the giants liked him enough that say, Hey, you know, we'll take you, we'll take you now. I mean, we didn't take you then, but that's okay. I listen, I, I, I like the way he plays. I, I think that um, the, what I liked about it too, John was that he, he basically beat out Zimenez for a spot on that game last uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, and by the way, he also is a two-way player. Like, he's playing the run a lot better than I remember seeing him play in college. Yeah, he's just going to get better and better. Um, Not everybody, by the way, as you know, there are people that are undrafted, seventh round, sixth round, whatever you want to call it, that become very good football players when they get to the pros. It's it has maybe has better coaching. Uh, Some of these guys grow up a little bit. They take the jobs a little bit more serious, and they're in a good system. That just happens. Really good kid, too, by the way. If you guys have time, you have, That's great. You have 15 minutes. It's a 15-minute interview. Go listen to it. Uh, really good chat. It was fun. And just a really good kid. I know he's a you guy, Jeff, so you should go listen to it, too. But I will. Yeah, but yeah, we, it's funny. We got into a couple of really interesting things. I know, we got, I know we're going over now. Real quick, he talked about how playing left versus right is different, hand in the dirt, standing up, which one he likes better. Sure. Um, he basically said, as I asked him, you know, what was it like trying to learn the giant scheme? How did it compare to Pittsburgh? And he goes, yo, Pittsburgh's scheme is completely different. Like, I'm like, well, is it just language? He goes, no, what they're asking you to do, like the whole nine yards. And then he actually said, it's funny, he goes, what the Giants are doing reminds me of what I did at my last year at Temple mm-hmm. before he went to Miami. And that was his, like, record-setting 13-sack year, yeah. that final year at Temple. So he said that's what the giant scheme reminded him of, and that kind of helped him – learn the system and figure out what he's supposed to do because of that experience at Temple in his junior year there. And and think about the confidence that he had in that that year when it was been his senior year. Yeah, 13 um, sacks, I think, if I remember right, that year. But, you know, if that's a system that you liked and you were successful and then you come to the Giants and it's very similar, that's automatically going to give me as a player a lot of confidence. And, of course, then you got Coach Spencer, who's so full of confidence. <laughs> um, and I feel like that's just a win-win. And he's, and he's shown that he's progressed because, remember this, he didn't just come out of nowhere. Like he, he has been on the practice squad. He's been working his way up, been active roster, special team, boom, bam. So it's just like so good for him. And that's the progression you like to see out of these young guys. Yeah, no question about it. And I'm telling you folks, go go listen to it. It was a really good interview. And I just thought it was it was real fascinating stuff. And the other thing that I really like, Jeff, I said, So were you surprised when you got, you know, let go by the Steelers? He goes, No. You know, they told me straight up. First of all, they have really good edge rushers, one through three, <laughs> you, you know, between, you know, all the guys they have there. And he goes, they basically told me that the fourth outside linebacker edge rusher type is has to be a primarily a special teams player. And I didn't do a lot of that in college, so I was still learning that. I'm still trying to get better at it. It's important. But they went with somebody that was better at special teams. So he goes, I wasn't, I wasn't mad about it. I wasn't surprised by sure, it. They, they were straight up with me. That was just kind of the way it went. And I'm like, wow, the guy is like, you know, to be self-aware as to understand why it didn't work and not, you know, to quote Michael Jordan, take that personal and just get it and say, all right, well, I need to get better at that now so right. it doesn't happen again. And I, I thought it was a really good answer. And, and it just proves the point that what we always try to drive home here is that, you know, those back-end roster spots always have to – you have to play special teams unless you're just a phenom. But, you know, if you're a phenom, you're really not playing special teams. You're a first-rounder. But if you're a six-rounder or a fourth defensive end – 
that's what happens. So well, I like what he said about I got to learn because I know that's probably going to be what I'm going to have to do here. And I think that that's where you kind of, uh, you know, you get your feet wet on special teams. And if you can progress from there and then, you know, maybe one day he won't play special teams. That means he's doing pretty good on doing something else. Jeff, good stuff, my friend. All right, John. Thank you. All right. Make sure you check out Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll do our full game preview on Friday. Lance and Paul join me as we get ready for the Bucks and Giants on Monday Night Football. For Jeff Fiegels, I'm John Schmelk. We'll see you tomorrow for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live.